Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streets of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in a desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name, every blessing, every blessing you pour out, turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name.
Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We fill your house with the praise of you people, Lord. We lift our hands to the heavens. We are here for you. We reach for the hem of your garment. When the king is in the room, hear the sound of our devotion. Let it fill the throne for you. Let it fill the throne for you. Then everything that has breath, praise, praise. Then everything that has breath, praise, praise. Let everything that has breath sing a new. Song to the Lord, oh let our praises roll. Praise, praise, we praise the Lord. Praise, praise, let everything that has breath. Praise, praise, let everything that has breath. Sing a new song to the Lord.
have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I know you as a father. I know you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Thank you for your goodness. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Who praised the name of the Lord our God? Who praised His name forevermore? For in this days we will say. Then he 
have conquered. Now he's ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him from rising again. For living he loves me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he's justified, freely forever. One day
We thank you this morning that you honor those that honor you. Let us be found in that remnant of worshipers. Let us be found in that group that is unashamed to praise you with all that is within us. For you are worthy and you have done mighty and wonderful things. And we will forever give you praise. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. He's wonderful. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. We lift you up. We exalt your name. Hallelujah. God's people said, God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Good to be home. Good to be home. Thank you so much for your prayer. It's been gone a couple weeks. First time I ever missed two weeks in a row in my life. Really, two weeks from the pulpit. I've done that. Been over 30 years. Never happened. Went to Africa and it didn't happen. Went to India. What, what, now I come back. It's getting old. She wore me down. <laughs> we had a wonderful time. We appreciate everyone's prayers and kindness. And it's so good everyone that was held down the fort and did such a great job and just kept the ship. We thank you, all the leaders. God bless you. Nice. You can relax when you know everything's in good hands. Amen. You can relax and just eat yourself through Stockholm when you know when you know things are in good hand. And I just about did that. But we want to just thank you. Good to see you. Young people, children, you are dismissed to children's church. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Is that me? Am I on? All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 5. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 5. I want to talk about a miracle with a message. A miracle with a message. Familiar story. We want to glean some truth, some look at the kind of people Jesus is looking for in this hour. Luke 5, starting with verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Verse 11, then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. He said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. He uses the title, a miracle 
with a message or the tests and traits of a disciple. What kind of people is Jesus looking for in this present hour? Bow your hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we can look beyond the, the power and the awesomeness, the wow, the miracle. And we can receive a message to teach us, to, to train us, even challenge us in our walk of faith. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, a miracle with a message. You know, the miracles of Jesus were, were primarily to demonstrate his power over creation, over disease, death, demons. They're also there to express the compassion of God, to show to humanity the heart of a loving Heavenly Father who is wounded and moved by our infirmities and desires to heal our hurts and lift us up and make us whole. The miracles of Jesus were also simply to demonstrate his power to prove he was who he said he was, the Christ, the Messiah that men would believe, but for our purposes. The messages... The miracles of Christ are often messages or object lessons, illustrated sermons of sorts, of a deeper importance than just the physical effect of the miracle. For sure, everything Jesus did was a genuine miracle. What he did was real, amen? He, he healed the sick. He, he stopped the waters from raging. I mean, when he spoke, dead things became alive again. They were real miracles, but beyond the wow of the miracle, there was a message in a lesson that he wants us to learn. I mean, I think a meaning behind the miracle. The miracle had a message. Now, John's gospel really illustrates this the clearest when we read it. For instance, in John's gospel, he feeds the multitudes, right? And then he stops, and what's he do? He teaches, I am the bread of life. The same way you just ate that, when you eat me spiritually, you get life forevermore, amen? And then later on in John's gospel, he opens up the eyes of a blind man. A miracle, a mighty miracle. But then he stops and says, I am the light of the world. In the same way he can see, you can see spiritually when you come to me and give your life to me. Remember when he raised Lazarus? He, not only did he raise him physically, but he taught, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, guess what? Like Lazarus, you won't be able to stay in the tomb. You're going to come out and live forever. And so again, this miracle with Peter and the fish... This fishing expedition is also a miracle with a message. It's a message that calls Christians to follow Jesus Christ as truly dedicated disciples of the Lord. He calls us to go beyond just nominal Christianity or just some kind of a decision, but to be a true disciple, a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ, coming out of the crowd, of just the so on and so forth, but making that choice to really follow the Lord Jesus closely and personally, publicly, continually and completely, to be a dedicated disciple. There's a lot of decisions these are for disciples, amen? There's a lot of people that just because they're born in America consider themselves Christians, but they're not really following hard after the Lord. And this morning as we walk through this story, we want to glean some tests and traits of a disciple of Jesus, a dedicated, serious follower. But you know, he's looking for some traits in our lives. And he'll allow some tests to come into our lives to prove us and to improve us. Now let's note number one, the setting. Verses one through three is the setting. For weeks, Jesus had been preaching. He's been preaching um, throughout this whole area. He's been healing the sick. 
He's been casting out demons. People were coming to him. Crowds were coming from all sides. I mean, here were uh, men and women that were just eager and hungry for the word and the touch of God. When news about his whereabouts hit, hit, I mean, people just came running. And on this particular day, the crowd was so great, they were almost pushing him into the water. So to get a little barrier, he gets into a boat. So there's a distance, and he can preach to them, and the crowd is a proper audience. And now the boat he chooses belongs to Peter. Kind of interesting that he will involve us in his ministry. It's a wonderful thing, a privilege that Jesus chooses to use you and I in his work. And we already like Peter. So, Lord, whatever I got, you can use it. Lord, whatever I have, if it's a thing, if it's a possession, if it's a talent, Lord, whatever I got, you can use to do your will. Amen? And he'll use your ship, and he'll use your boat, and he'll use your net to do mighty things. Amen? Well, listen, Peter, at this point in time, it's interesting. We recognize right now, at this moment, Peter was not yet wholeheartedly following Christ. At this point, he still had a loose relationship with the Lord. It was casual, not yet wholehearted or committed. That's what's going to happen at the end of the story. It's still in the beginning period. It's like this. Peter was listening and studying Jesus while unaware that Jesus was studying him. You know, Jesus observes us. He listens to our conversations. He watches us in our encounters. I'll never forget a quote I heard. I read it many years ago. It went like this. Make every occasion a great occasion. For you can never tell when somebody may be taking your measure for a larger place. You see, Peter had been measuring Jesus. Little did he know Jesus had been measuring him. You know, it's a Bible pattern when we study how God chooses men. How God puts his hands on men and women. He uses lives. God observes us and watches us and measures us. We think about David, we think about Samuel, we, we think about Gideon, we think about Elisha and Abraham, we think about Mary, how God watches lives and observes our lives and he tests our lives. And that's how he chooses, who he places his anointing on and who he uses in special ways. Peter's about to discover what a difference a day can make. And though we can apply that in a negative sense, and that's true, but I want to apply it to the positive sense this morning. Peter was about to discover what a difference a day can make. That tells me, friends, let's live ready and prepared lives. Let's live lives that God can use us anytime he wants. Let's live lives that whenever Jesus wants to put his hand on us for a special mission or a special encounter, we're ready. We don't got to go back and repent of 25 things. We don't got to make things right. But we're walking with this God. We're abiding in the vine. We're full of the Spirit. We're feeding on the Word. That anytime the Lord says, hey, I want to use you today. I want to prophesy through you today. I want to use you in the grocery store to witness to a hurting lady today. I want to take your life and use it mightily. You're ready and prepared for God to put his hand on you. Let's put ourselves in Peter's sandals. Number one, the first test. The first test, we're reading from verses one and three, we get this. The first test, when he proves the disciple, when he's measuring someone he wants to use, how do I respond to disappointment, failure, and opposition? When he's going to prove a disciple, he's looking for potential men and women to use. One of the ways he tests us, he measures us, because he's looking for this trait in our lives. 
He's looking for men and women who refuse to quit. You see, sincere, dedicated disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ refuse to quit. They, they, they are men and women that have an enduring spirit. They have a persevering spirit. They endure to the end. They finish the task the master gives them to do. They fight the good fight of faith to the very end. To the very end, they sing his praises. To the very end. They keep trusting and leaning on those everlasting arms. There are men and women that have a fortitude that prevails over the enemy's discouragements and the enemy's lies and the enemy's attempts to try to discourage and get us off track. Oh, yes. He's looking for men and women that refuse to quit. You know, 2 Timothy 2 and 3, Paul speaks to the church and he says, Christian, just like a soldier endures in battle and things are hard and not always easy, but they don't give up. They keep fighting the fight. They keep... He says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier. God says, I'm looking for men and women that refuse to quit. Those that can sing in the midnight hour. Those that won't give up even though times are hard and sometimes unfair. But they'll praise me through the tears and they'll praise me through the pain. Sometimes there is some pain in that offering. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you say amen? Many, many people are starters. Jesus Christ is looking for finishers. He's looking for men and women that he can count on. Peter and the men had fished all night and they caught nothing. And there they were preparing their nets so they could go back and fish some more. The first point is a simple point. But Jesus is looking for men and women that refuse to quit. We sing that song often during a water baptism. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Others might not go with me. I'm not turning back. Life might got hard at times. I'm not turning back. Sometimes heaven seems silent and people are nowhere to be there to encourage me. But I'm not turning back because I made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be a dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ. I didn't just come for fire insurance. I came to give him all because he gave me his. Peter and his partners experienced a night of frustration, failure. But there they were ready to go at it again. God says, I can use some people like that. I can use some people that have a tenacious spirit, a spirit that hangs on and says, I won't let go until you bless me, O God. Read our Bibles, we see how many times men and women experience failures and letdowns, opposition and disappointments. But God will use those things to measure us and to better us, to develop us and not to defeat us. For a friend, listen, a requirement of a sincere disciple is a determination in spirit. One that says, I've made up my mind. I'm going to stay with Jesus no matter what. I've made up my mind. Even if things are not always easy and I can't understand the path he calls me to take, I'm going to love him regardless. I'm going to obey him regardless. And I'm going to praise his holy name regardless. A disciple is not a quitter. Sometimes... We do get knocked down sometimes. We face failures and frustrations. But a disciple rises back up. A disciple receives fresh grace. A disciple mends his nets and licks his wounds and learns his lessons and then gets ready to launch out into the deep one more time. 
So I say to someone this morning, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on his church. Don't give up on his promise for your life. Don't give up for his ability to bring you through as he brought you through before. And he'll do it again. Somebody you might be facing a bad report from the doctor. You might have just had a loved one walk out on you and totally shook you emotionally. But I encourage you in the name of the Lord, don't you dare give up. You keep trusting the Lord. You keep casting your cares on Jesus. And you keep believing his good promises for he that hath begun that good work in you he's gonna finish that work he's gonna bring you through and god's gonna carry you on can you say amen and if you don't quit you can't lose jesus is looking for people that have an enduring fighting spirit refuse to quit doesn't mean they're perfect people then all of us are disqualified doesn't mean they don't miss the market times. All of us would be disqualified. But it means that when they get knocked down, they get back up. When they have a bad report, they praise them anyhow. When they make a mistake, they learn from it. They don't make an excuse for it. They learn, take ownership, and then press on into the grace of God. What a God we serve. Famous missionary, Dr. David Livingston. Famous missionary to Africa, Stanley and Livingston. He said a group of friends wrote him one time and said, we would like to send other men to you. Have you found a good road into your area yet? He had pioneered missions in Africa, going places they never saw a Caucasian. He just, you know, he's just a daring. And so they said, we'd like to send some men. Have you found a good road yet? Well, according to a member of his family, Dr. Livingston sent back this reply. If you have men who will only come if they know there's a good route, I don't want them. You got men that only come if the road's good, I don't want them. I want men that'll come if there's no road at all. That's a disciple. That's what Jesus is looking for. May he find that person in us. Can you say amen? And number one, a disciple's not a quitter. They have an enduring, persevering spirit. That's someone God can use. But secondly... Verses 4 and 5, here's the test. The test is, how do I respond to the authority or the word of the Lord? And you see in verses 4 and 5, when Jesus finished speaking, he says to Peter, put out into the deep, let down the nets for a catch. Peter's going to answer, Master, we worked hard all night. Haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, because your word is telling me to do so, I will do what you told me to do. He tests us by seeing how we respond to his word and his authority. The trait of the disciple is this. They respond to their Lord's instructions. When someone becomes a Christian, a new authority comes into that person's life. When you become a sincere believer and follower of Christ, a new authority comes into your life. It's so important to understand this. They receive and respond to the word of the Lord. You know, one, one time Jesus was preaching to a crowd and people were kind of following him, considering themselves followers of him, but he knew the hearts of men. You know, they were enjoying the miracles. They, they liked a lot of the excitement that was going on. They were just curious about this new thing. And he says to him, Luke 6 and 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? And then he went on and told a story about a life that collapsed when it's tested because his foundation was not obedience to his word. A dedicated disciple is a man or a woman that obeys the word of God. 
that builds their life on the word of God, that receives and responds to the word of God. He said one time in John 14 and 15, he gave us pretty much a, um, one proof that a person really loves the Lord. A lot of people say they love the Lord, but Jesus said, John 14 and 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Isn't that interesting? One of the proofs, one of the tests, is someone really a follower of Christ? Are we obeying Christ? Does his word rule our lives? Does his standard of morality become our standard? When he speaks to us how to respond to a situation, do we say yes to that, or do we do our own thing? In our story, Peter had just, Peter had invited Jesus into the boat, and all the master wanted to do was speak to the crowd. But then Jesus took command of the boat. When you invite him in, he takes control. He told Peter, launch out into the deep and let down the net for a catch. First, Jesus asked for the fisherman's boat. Then he asked for the fisherman's nets. What's next? He asked for the fisherman, of course. He wants more than just our stuff. He wants us. He wants more than just our offering. He wants our lives. He wants you and he wants me. One of the things we learn from this story is that it's not necessary to fully understand God's instructions in order to obey them. One of the chief ways, again, he tests us. I believe Pastor Todd, as he opened up, quoted, many are called if you are chosen. Because they don't respond to that call fully. They say no when he calls them onward. One of the ways he tests us is by speaking into our lives and seeing if we'll obey him. Will we receive and then respond to the word of the Lord? One chief way God tests or proves who are really his disciples and followers, do you obey my word? Especially when it's not convenient, comfortable, or popular. Now you know that separates the men from the boys. You see, Peter was a fisherman. He was raised to be a fisherman. He was raised in that area. And he knew that in that lake at that time, you caught fish in the shallow water at night, not in the deep water at day. Did Jesus ever tell you to do something totally what you weren't going to do? Or in your heart, you wanted to respond to a situation and the word is saying, do the total opposite. Stick with me, it's going to get better. Jesus is asking him to do something that seems illogical, certainly uncomfortable. Contrary to his training, I wasn't raised like that. Well, you get a new raisin when you get saved, amen? <laughs> his feelings, his experiences say, this is not how to get the job done. And above all, a crowd was watching, it says. I mean, it's one thing when you're alone and God says something, but now people are watching. That's always a little harder, isn't it? Sometimes the authority of the Lord Jesus, the authority of his word, will challenge our way of doing things. Will challenge our training, our experience, our self-rule. And if I am to be the disciple he desires me to be, my will must be surrendered and submitted to him. And that's really walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is so much demonstrative actions. But it's being able to do what the word and the spirit would have you to do. 
In spite of his reservations, Peter answers so beautifully. He starts out in verse 5. He says, Master. He acknowledges, Master. He addresses it, Master. He acknowledges, Jesus, you're the Master. You have the right and you have the authority to speak into my life and to give me orders and expect my obedience. How about that? If I call him Lord, I'm acknowledging he has the right to speak into my life and expect my obedience. Are you with me? We lost this somewhere along the way. We made him a Buddha that's just there to bless us. We made him a Santa Claus. We just run to when we want a goodie. But I'm talking about disciples. He's looking for disciples. This was a miracle with a message. It was a mighty miracle. It was an awesome miracle. The word of the Lord overcame creation and everything else to do this miracle. But beyond the wow and the impressiveness of his power and his sovereignty and his authority, there are lessons that we learn. He's looking at Peter. He's choosing men to follow him and carry up the message of this kingdom. We ask ourselves, what was he looking at in Peter? What did he see in Peter. I want him to see that in me. How many times people say, I want to be used of God. Find out what the characteristics were of those that were used of God. I wish God would use me more. Carry on. Study the men and women of this Bible and see the characteristics of those lives that God used and God entrusted gifts to and God entrusted authority to and God used in mighty ways. Message had a miracle. Miracle had a message. Lord, we worked hard all night. Tired. We just cleaned these nets. I don't want to dirty them again. Have to go through that process. But, 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 because you say so. Wow. The, the key to a blessed and successful life is found in our obedience to his commands. For God honors faith. And faith is revealed in obedience. This is a pattern that prepares and produces mature disciples. This is a pattern that prepares us and takes us deeper and further in our walk with God. And this is a pattern that proves who really is a follower of Jesus Christ. The key again, receiving and responding to the word of God. Listen, both miracles... And maturity followed the same pattern. Miracle had a message. It's sharing with us this morning and showing us the kind of people Jesus is looking for. Number one, he's looking for people who refuse to quit. People that can get up when life's knocked them down. People that have made a firm quality decision. Jesus, I'm going to serve you and love you and obey you no matter what. I will persevere and endure to the very end just like you endured that cross. But secondly, people who respond to his word. And Peter passes the second test beautifully. He submits to Christ's authority. He obeys his command. I remember reading a story. An author was traveling through Europe, and he visited a, we'd call them um, a rehab place in, in Germany, a home for recovering alcoholics. And he writes that they had a beautiful tapestry on the wall. And in it was a picture of a stream with a school of fish heading in one direction. And then just one, one solitary fish swimming in the opposite direction. 
underneath through these words. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim against it. You know, if you're a follower, a serious disciple of Jesus Christ, there's going to be many times you find yourself swimming against the stream. Swimming against the stream of unbelief and doubt. Swimming against the stream of the way things look and society says you should behave. Swimming against the stream of this present age's morality and standards. Swimming against the stream as you choose to respond to life in the battles of life in a way that is consistent with thus saith the Lord. I want to expand this thought. This one verses four and five are really a whole series of teachings on their own. But let me just go, I'll, I'll keep this part short. But I want you to see how the word of God brings a challenge that both produces growth and blessing in our lives. Again, we've said this before, but my response to God's word will determine its effect on me. Response determines effect. You got saved because you responded to the gospel by receiving and believing, and that effect is seen in your life. Amen? You're a new creature. You're not who you used to be. You're born again. Your sanctification, you look at yourself and say, man, look how far God's brought me in all these years. I am a totally different person. But the process wasn't overnight, but it came as you received the word, and you studied the word, and you did your best to then live or respond to that word. And as you respond to the effect of that word changed you, you look back and say, man, you wouldn't have recognized me 30 years ago. I don't just mean I had hair and, and I, I didn't have my wrinkles. No, no, no. You wouldn't have recognized me by the way I talked and the way I behaved and the way I just had a conversation. He's done a work in me. What happened? The word. And I responded. You received that word and responded to that word. And the effect of that word worked powerfully in your life. This is how it works. That's why being a man or woman of the Bible is so important. That's why learning and living the Bible. Miracles come. Maturity comes. When God wants to take us further, deeper, he does it by his word. Peter had worked hard all night. Didn't understand. Didn't agree with the method of fishing that Jesus is calling them to. A great crowd is watching. Who wants egg on their face? Who wants people, right? But his response reveals why. He became a pillar and a disciple of disciples. Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, because this is what your word says to me, I'll let down the nets. Our morality is based on thus saith the Lord. Our priority and way of living, thus saith the Lord. How do we respond to life's unfairness, life's unkindness? Thus saith the Lord. Again, miracles and maturity come by receiving and responding to the word of the Lord. This is how God, we want to grow in God. Some will travel miles and miles to go to special meetings, get a bump on the head. Well, that's nice. It's good to go to good meetings. But if you really want to grow in God, here it is. Receiving and responding to the word of the Lord. This is how God deepens us, develops us, improves us. 
Again, we see miracles come this way. People just think miracles happen. Not at all. Well, have you studied, have you ever studied miracles? Moses, stretch off that rod. Stretch off the rod, Lord. Pastor, how's that going to open the Red Sea? Don't ask me questions. You do what I told you. He stretches out, he lifts up that rod, and what happens? The Red Sea parts. There's an instruction. As the instructions obeyed, the miracle results. Lord, we're thirsty. There's millions of them. There's a desert. Moses, take that rod and strike the rock. Lord, we don't need a spark or a fire. We need water. Moses, stop questioning me and start obeying me. Take the rod. Boom. Water gushes out. Millions are satisfied. The instruction, the miracle. Lord, Joshua says, the Jordan's at flood stage. How are we going to get across? Tell those priests to put that ark on their shoulder. That's the presence of God. Woo. When you walk in the presence of God, things make a way. Come on. When you walk in the presence of God, things open. When you walk in the presence of God, mountains melt. When you walk in the presence of God, demons shed and run. You need a miracle. He said, go ahead. Just tell the priest to walk into the water. Seems foolish, trying to drown the priest. But they walk. You obey the instruction. Obey the instruction. You want God's blessing in a certain area of your life? Obey the instruction. Do what God's told you to do concerning your wife. Do what God's told you to do concerning your finances. Do what God told you to do concerning turning the other cheek and forgiving those that have wronged you. Woo! Jumping ahead of myself. Miracles. Instruction. As they walked, the Bible says, as soon as their feet hit the water, the water stood at attention. God gives them a miracle. What we're going to do? God, you got a bazooka up there? You, you got an angel that has a battering ram? No, Joshua, just walk around and hush up about it. Now do it again, do it again. Now finally you're going to shout when I say shout. Sometimes you can shout too early. Come on. You got to have the timing of God with you. Isn't that right? The instruction brought a miracle. You're dying of leprosy? Dip seven times. The instruction obeyed brought a miracle. You just have a little bit of a, a little bit of meal left? Make a meal and give it to the prophet first. And then watch God provide throughout the famine. You need a miracle? God has an instruction. I didn't want an instruction. I wanted a miracle. God says, I'm teaching you how to receive from me. Take my word. Obey my instruction. Do what I told you to do. Then watch my grace flow. Watch my goodness flow. Watch my mercy flow. Think about that. One widow, the dead is coming. Going to take my boys. Prophet says, what do you got in the house? Well, just a, just a little, little bit of oil. Well, he said, quick, 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 run to all your neighbors. Get as many vessels as you can get. It don't make sense. I got creditors coming. We're on a deadline. What are you messing with me? I'm not going to neighbors. Now it's not a time for family evangelism or neighborhood evangelism. I need a miracle. And God says, you do what I told you to do. Because if you'll obey the instruction, it'll release the working of my grace in your life. You know the story, don't you? They got all the vessels they could get. God said, now shut the door. You see that little bit of oil? Now you pour it. And you pour it. And she poured it. And she poured it. And she poured it. And she poured it. Miracle of miracles. Miracles come as we receive and respond to the word of the Lord. Even Jesus' ministry. Peter, come. 
heard the word, want to, want to walk on water? Respond to that word. Cast the net. That makes sense. Don't feel like casting a net. I'm tired, but nevertheless, stretch forth your hand. It's paralyzed. It doesn't stretch. Stretch out. Wow. This is how miracles flow. This is how God works. He gives us his word. He gives us his instruction. And as we're now, we'll stop there. Put miracles aside for a second. Can we attack maturity? He's a God of miracles, but he's a God of maturity. In the same way those miracles came about, maturity and transformation comes about in our hearts and in our life. Same pattern. The same pattern. The pattern that prepares and produces mature disciples. Spiritually strong, healthy men and women of God. Same process. Receiving and responding to God's word. This is what produces Christ-like men and women of God. I'll never forget years ago, pastor in Syracuse, New York, and one of my men, was, he was a 20-plus year veteran of the police force. He was a sergeant with the Syracuse Police Department. And we got talking about shooting. He was in the military. I was in the military. So we got talking about shooting. And he says to me, well, you know, Pastor, he was just down to earth, just a rough around the edges, you know, cop. And he goes, you know, getting, getting those badges is easy. He goes, anyone can, anyone can get the expert marksman badge when all you're doing is sitting. And it's a nice controlled environment. He says, now you try chasing someone for half a mile, and it's kind of twilight, and it's not exactly bright out, and then you've got to pull that weapon. Then you see who can get an expert marksman badge. He goes on to say, you know, when we train them, he was older then, he was getting up in the ranks, he'd work a lot training the young officers. One of the tests you have for them is we clock them, and we got our run up and down, Two flights of stairs with the full uniform and everything on. Then they come down, and now they got to shoot. Oh, then you see who's an expert. <laughs> then you see who can shoot when. I thought about that through the years. You know, it's amazing. In a controlled setting, how easy things are. You know, when we get into our Bible studies, get in our little home group, Get in our Sunday school class. And we're going to discuss how does a Christian act in this situation? How should a believer respond to this? Man, we all sound like St. Peter and St. Paul. Ooh, you know it. But, but then, you know, when it's on the job, the boss just gave you a bad review, and you think it's because he thought someone else was cuter than you. Uh-oh. Say amen, say ouch. It's a little easier when the pressure's on. I mean, anyone, Brother Angel coaches basketball. You see him out there, they think they're in practice. They think they're second coming to Michael Jordan. They're just doing this and that. But as soon as it's game time and someone's in your face and there's pressure in the clock, it's amazing. It's like, oh, Lord, they throw it the other way. I mean, you know. I'm thinking about this. Let me give you an example. God might ask us to forgive or give, and it's not always easy. Can you say Amen. That's not easy. But Jesus, if you, like Peter, but Lord, if you say so, I'll turn the other cheek. I'll do unto others like they do unto me. Mm. 
uh, respond patience, kindness, gentleness. The word might speak to you about service or sacrifice. I always get a kick remembering Brother and Sister Brown, they testify towards the end of their, their ministry. They've been on the field some 30 years, and so they had some seniority. And the last overseas assignment, they went, they had a choice. Now, you know, they both come from around here, where it's hot and balmy year-round. And, you know, when you come from this, I guess you enjoy it. Um, and um, anyway, and um, so they had a choice. Would you like to go to Greece? I'd like to go to Greece. I mean, nice waters, beautiful turquoise, and nice, you know, if you're from this area, that's the weather. Or would you rather go to the Ukraine? Now, back then, 90% of people didn't know what the Ukraine was, but I can tell you what, it's not Florida. Brother Brown tells the story, coming home one night, his door's frozen. They come home after a night service. That door's frozen. He can't even move the key in there. It's frozen. It's dropping below zero. He'll have to tell you how he got through the door, but you know those missionaries, they know how to have some ingenuity. They know how to get, you gotta, you gotta work with things. But I thought about that. And they sought the Lord. And the last place in the natural they want to go, that's the place they felt God said go. Said, Lord, that's not the place. We're not We're from the warmth. We like the warmth. But nevertheless, Lord, if you say so, here we go. Pack your, your long underwear. Off we go. Amen. It can be challenging to the old me. See, the word of the Lord challenges the old me. Didn't Jesus say that when he talked about the sower and the seed? He says sometimes then that word gets suffocated because it gets challenged by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the love for other things. And one of the other things our old nature likes is comfort. It can be challenging to the old me. But if we respond... Like Peter responded, then the grace will flow like it flowed in his life. Word might tell me to trust me and believe me and stand on me while I'm facing a circumstance that quite frankly is frightening and trying to my soul. It might stretch me to a place I've never been stretched before. But if I'll stand firm and I'll believe thus saith the Lord and I'll put my trust in the arms of the living God, then His Spirit will move in me and His Spirit will move in my mountain of opposition. His Spirit will move and mature me. His Spirit will move and remove all opposition from hell. There's a blessing that comes when we respond to the Word of the Lord. It's not always easy to respond. Sometimes settings and circumstances are contrary. But He's saying, will you forgive them when they've wronged you? Will you believe me when circumstances circumstances seem overwhelmingly against the miracle. Will you do what I've called you to do even when you can't understand it, even when you don't feel it, and even when you know it's going to stretch you? Can you do that? That's what brings the miracle. That's what brings the growth. Obedience brings victory. Obedience proves discipleship. Obedience Submitting to his word produces miracles and brings maturity. Who is Jesus looking for? 
Who is Jesus looking for in this present hour? To use, to anoint, to set his hand upon for blessing. He's looking for those who refuse to quit. He's looking for men and women that have an enduring spirit, a persevering spirit. Those that can go through the bitter nights of sorrow but still praise him through it all. Those that can get knocked down by life's hardships but rise up again and say, Nevertheless, I'm going to keep serving you and keep walking with you and keep believing you. He's looking for those that will respond to his word, that will submit to his authority, that will obey when they hear the Lord say, this is how you respond. This is what I want you to do. He's looking for those that will give him praise and won't be ashamed to give him glory for what he's done. Look at verses 6 and 7, and you see an interesting trait here. It's a beautiful trait. Disciples experience what their God can do. Man, this is awesome. Check this out. Verse 6, and when they had, what? They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just, but when they had done so. Are you with me? When they had done so. Remember, the done so was in response to a word they weren't crazy about. They were wondering about. Didn't make a whole lot of sense, but because Jesus said it. Now, if a man speaks to you, you better check it out. Amen? If a human being says something, you, you better you know, measure twice before you cut once. But when Jesus speaks to you, when the written word of God tells you, nevertheless, Lord, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to respond that way. Amen. Everything in me says, I'm going to turn his cheek. But no, Lord, I'm going to turn my cheek. Come on, say amen to that. But when they had done so, when they responded to the word, when they obeyed the instruction, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Woo, glory. Disciples experience what their God can do. This life of faith and obedience, friend, it's a fulfilling life. It's a fruitful life. It's an exciting life. It's men and women of God that walk with Jesus, experience the blessing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord. He is a rewarder of them that seek him, and he honors those who honor him. It's a beautiful thing right here that when we obey God, we enjoy the blessing of God. And sometimes people wonder, well, why does God go? No, no, God don't pay favorites. He is not a respecter of person, but he is a respecter of principle. He'll honor those that honor him. He'll bless those that obey him. Those that walk with him, he'll walk with them. Those that will do what he says to do, he'll smile upon them. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed. He says, I'm always observing my people. I'm always listening to them and observing them. And when I see them walking in faith and obedience, I place my heavenly smile upon on them. I'll be there standing by their side like I'm not with those that don't walk with me. Blessing about being sold out, isn't it right? And the test is when the blessing comes, how do I respond to it? Peter and Andrew cast their nets and Jesus filled them with so many fish I wouldn't mind a net breaking blessing. How about you? Amen. I like that. Lord, give us a net breaking blessing. Anybody need a net breaking blessing? Get ready for his instruction is coming. Get ready for the word. He's going to speak it to you. Get ready. He's going to talk to you. 
going to give you the instruction. If you'll obey that word, that word will work in you. After they obeyed, after they obeyed, they found themselves in the middle of a glorious miracle. They learned his commandments are his enablements. Don't say you can't do it. If God tells you to do it, just do it. His grace will be sufficient for it. Wonderful things happen when we obey the word and we follow the plan and we trust in the power of the living God. This is how we this is how it is when we walk with the living God. It's a beautiful thing to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We experience the working of his power and his provision, the hand of his blessing, the glorious divine guidance as he steers us. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow ways. He says, this is the way. Walk in it. He reassures us, fear not, it is high. Oh, don't you be afraid. That's why testimony time can be so thrilling in a Holy Ghost church. When we walk with Jesus, you experience power, grace, blessing, supernatural peace in the midst of life's battles, divine guidance, even when you can't see your hand in front of your face. Prayers have been answered. Provisions have been granted. Protection is there again and again and again. Oh, when you walk with the Lord, you can declare, Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Come on, everywhere I go, I don't go by accident. I go by divine guidance and divine Oh, my Lord, he's with me going in. He's with me coming out. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. His word is yea and amen. I can trust his promise. I can lean on his promise. Power, and I can know that he began the work he's going to complete it and in that I have a great confidence we live and we testify not by theory but by personal experience he saved me he healed me he delivered me he brought me through a wild and crazy situation he did it for me I testify he's alive he's good and he's real how many of you can testify you've been touched by the power of God? How many of you can testify you prayed and God's done wonderful things in you? How many can testify you've experienced divine healing in your life? How many can testify God has made a way for you at times that just blew you away? How many can testify maybe he set you free? You had an addiction. You had a bondage. The devil was trying to destroy you, but Jesus set you free. Oh, this thing is real. This thing is real. You don't need to bow, kneel, man. Just jump and run. This thing is real. Whew. If it wasn't real, I would have stopped this mess a long time ago. Isn't that right? Oh, no, this thing is real. That Bible is real. This Holy Ghost is real. Woo! Jesus is alive. Oh, after him from the body, present with the Lord. Hallelujah! You know, you can tell a whole lot about a person by listening to them pray. All right? Sister Dottie used to sit right over there. I used to sit. I'm kneeling here every Tuesday. And she'd sit over there. You know, and I'd hush for a little bit. I'd just listen. I hear that woman of God through the tears. I mean, she's interceding. She's crying out for this one, that one. She's praying for revival. Her, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. 
Oh, my Lord, this thing is real. This thing is real. My Lord, it's real. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This thing is real. We who walk with the living God, we who are sincere disciples of Jesus Christ, we get to personally experience his power, his provision, his leading, his working, participation in favor of the living God upon our lives. Man, walking with Jesus is an exciting life. This walk of faith is an adventure. Our God is a good God, but he's also full of surprises. Obedience brings the blessing and brings the breakthrough. Woo! Mm. Hallelujah! Glory to God. He, he, he tests us in these things, don't he? Isn't that right? I remember I first coming back to God as a young man, and there was a, we were still in high school, and there was a knucklehead I tried to get in a fight with him for about a year. And finally, I'd come back to God. And would you believe within two weeks he had done something, gave me every excuse I need? But you know, when Jesus gets a hold of you, everything changes. Oh, my buddy, hey, you're going to mess him up. Hey, you hear what he said? This is your chance. You should have seen them and said, no, I'm going to pray for him. I mean, they didn't even think what I got was real. You know, they, they just think it's a fad. You know how it is, amen? Especially when you live in the Northeast. They, they just, you know, they all whacked out. They ain't no real. They're religious. They don't, they don't get this. I mean, they, they think, you know, they just, well, you're going to what? I said, no. I started serving the Lord last week. Uh, I said, pray for them to use you and despise you. I'm going to pray for them. <laughs> that word comes and sometimes it's not exactly what you want to do. I said, Lord, I don't feel like praying for them. You know right now there's nothing in me that wants to pray for them. But because you said pray for them. Just a kid, 16, 17, just a kid. You, you can be a kid and walk with God. Amen? You can be a kid and walk with God. You don't need a big read level to read that book. And God knows how to speak to all of us no matter what level we're on. He can make that book real to us. Amen? I'll never forget. I, I remember, Lord. I, I'm honest. I, me and God always been honest with one another. He's honest with me. He, he just gives it to me straight. I need that. I'm a little thick, you know. So God, you know, God knows how to talk to us. Isn't that right? He said, I, don't, I don't need the sensitivity thing. I just, God just give it to me, Lord. And all right, Lord. Well, I said, Lord, I, you know, I don't want to pray for him. You know I don't want to pray for him. No sense lying to God. I said, but nevertheless, at your word. Because you said, I'm going to pray for him. I did Within, it's amazing. Within two or three weeks, circumstances worked in such a crazy way. I'm witnessing to this guy. Where coaches came up to me, coaches said, hey, go speak to so-and-so. He's starting to really get off the rails. Would you go? They know nothing about what's going on. Would you go talk to him? Able to talk to him about the Lord, and I don't know what happened, all the results, but how God totally... It's amazing when we obey the book, we release the grace. Obey the instruction and then let God work his work. I'm bringing it down, bringing it down. How do I respond to the blessing? Look how Peter 
humbles himself. Verses 8 and 9 falls at the feet of Jesus. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You'll get more blessing when God can trust you with more blessing. Amen? For disciples, we rely on God, not ourselves. We give him all the glory for victories. We give Jesus the glory. We boast in the goodness of the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Peter sees his great, you know, he doesn't franchise. Amen? He gives up it all and follows Jesus. He gets the biggest blessing he's ever had as a fisherman. But he didn't celebrate and boast in himself, did he? He didn't say, let's see what all my training brought me. I just knew. He fell down and worshiped. And when God, can God trust you with the blessing? When he blesses you, would you give him all the glory? When he blesses you, don't be ashamed, even if others are around you. Give thanks to the Lord. And give God credit for the goodness of the Lord. He kept things in proper perspective, Peter. He recognized it was Jesus, not Peter, that pulled this off. And he, this taught him where to put his confidence and where to give the credit. Jesus is looking for disciples, real sold out, completely devoted followers. The question I got to ask, he died for you. Will you live for him? He died for you. Will you live all out for him? Disciples give Jesus glory. Not ashamed to show it publicly. Such an attitude enabled Peter to become a disciple that the master could use and the master could trust like few others. Like few others. This is a miracle that had a message. The last test, and I'll just walk us through it. The last test we see. How do we respond to the life of faith? Verses 10 and 11. You know, Mark and Matthew put this apart in. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He calls you. Follow me. Follow me. Call me Lord and follow me. Don't just enjoy my blessing. Don't just enjoy learning some new facts. Give me your life. Follow me and let me make you into the man or woman you call to be. That's the last test. And the last two traits are this very quickly. Verse 10 Disciples recognize their assignment. He says, For now, I'm going to catch men. A life change has come when we come to Christ. All of a sudden, now we become fishers of men. Our lives or for others, and for eternity. When we come to Jesus, it's not just to get fire insurance, to do our own thing, and hope one day we get to heaven. When we come to Jesus, we belong to Jesus. And our lives change, and we become his vessels, and his instruments, his tools. I'm going to make a fisher of men. I'm going to take your life and do something with it. I'm going to use your life in ways you never dreamed. But you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to submit to me. But if you'll do it, like I used Peter, I can use you. Like I did miracles all throughout the scripture. I can do miracles in and through you. But you've got to follow me. Disciples recognize their assignment. Verse 10. Finally, verse 11. Disciples renounce all rivals. Are there any rivals in your life for Jesus? Is there anything challenging your sincere commitment to the Lord. 
We can't serve two masters, can we? See, there, and he's not asking everyone to throw away their careers and, and, you know, become a monk. Now, some of you might be asking you to follow the call in that way. But I'll tell you one thing. There is a cost to follow Jesus. Amen? Things must be laid down to really be his disciple. But what's the last verse say? And they, and they forsook all and they followed him. It was over then. No more going back. That fishing's over. And sometimes when you really get serious, you really want to be a disciple. Certain things got to get over. Rivals need to be renounced. If there are things that are hindering you from being a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ, you got to lay them down. Ask yourself, is there anything competing in your heart and life with Jesus? Is there anything competing, keeping you from obeying him, believing him and walking with him? See, if you keep, listen, if you keep rivals around, it'll cost you. If you keep rivals around, it'll cost you. Some of us have been in this thing all our lives. Isn't that right? All our lives. All our, I went to Bible school at 17. It's all I've done. I lay down everything. All I do. All I do. And some of us walk with God, right? Mama took you into the womb and you walk with God. Okay. You know, sometimes we wonder what happened to so-and-so. Whatever became of this one, they had a rival that they refused to deal with. Chances are they had a rival that they refused to deal with. And if you don't deal with the rivals, sooner or later, they'll knock you off course. Sooner or later, they'll get you in a time of weakness. So Peter shows us True disciples, dedicated followers of Jesus Christ, renounce all rivals. If there's anything in your life that's a threat to your walk with the Lord, get rid of it. If there's anything in your life that's a threat to you really obeying the Lord and really walking close with Jesus, deal with it. Renounce all rivals. The last thing Luke tells us after this miracle, they forsook all and followed him. After the biggest catch they ever made, I would have been thinking about franchising. A lot of money in franchise. Now I got fishing. I got it now. I learned. I learned. Now we're going to fish here. And they'll go. You know how much money they made? Biggest catch ever. He said, Forget it. I want Jesus. You can have it. I want the Lord. They renounced the rivals, and we must do so. Today, Jesus is calling people to become dedicated followers. Today, I'm going to ask, are you a disciple? Or I didn't ask if you said a sinner's prayer one time. I didn't ask if you grew up in a church. I asked, are you a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus' authority over your life? What was it that Jesus saw in Peter? What is it that Jesus is looking for? In my life, in your life, in men and women that he can use in this present hour, men and women that refuse to quit. Life's not always easy. We have a fighting spirit. We get up even when we get knocked down. We get up even when we miss the mark. We accept it and press back on. Amen? He says, I want people that also will obey my word. That's the authority, the word of the Lord. You submit to that, we walk with that. I want people that will give me praise. 
that will recognize the blessings didn't come from our wits, didn't come from our endeavors, came from the goodness and mercy of God. Men and women that are not ashamed to give me praise, even when others are around, they give God all the glory. You're looking for men and women that will renounce all rivals. You know, when you come into certain relationships, there can be no rivals. When you come into certain relationships, you cannot have rivals. There can be no competition. Is that right? And lastly, men and women that recognize this Christianity is a life-changing experience. We're not our own anymore. We're fishers of men. We're servants of the Lord. Amen? And again, with that, with that, we respond to that call. We're going to open the altars now. If you're here today and you just need to make a fresh dedication or devotion to the Lord, do it. If you're here today and you just want to pray a prayer saying, Lord, I pray that these qualities that you saw in Peter, you're going to see in me. These qualities that you saw in these other men and women of the Bible that you used and anointed, Lord, see them in me. here today and you need prayer for anything. You need a touch from God. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. And if you have a need, he's able to meet your need. If you have a burden, he's able to break that thing and carry that thing. If you have a sickness, he's able to drive it out. Make you whole. Stand with me, please. Let's pray and call on God. And open this altar. Let's be disciples. God, this world needs some disciples. We got enough church goers. We need some disciples. Amen. We, we got enough people that we need some sold out. God can use. Let it be found in us. Let it be found in us. I'm going to pray the prayer. If you're here today and you're not a disciple, you might love Jesus. You might not have anything against him, but you haven't really committed yourself to him. Today's your day. You're here today and you have a need. Whatever that need is, we're going to believe God with you. That God's going to work something wonderful and mighty in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the great encouragement and instruction that comes from your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of miracles and nothing is too hard for you. We thank you that your miracles are real and your miracles are now. They're for today. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus, I thank you. In the same way you did mighty things in the Bible, you're doing them today. You have not changed. You have not weakened. But you're mighty to save and mighty to heal. Mighty to make men and women whole. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as men and women come with an expectation, you'll touch them, you'll minister powerfully and mightily in them. Hallelujah. And Father, I pray that each one of us, each one of us, will be reminded today that you're looking for dedicated, sincere, and serious followers in this present hour. Men and women that you can trust. Men and women that you can use. Find them right here. Find them in us. Father, to open the altar. 
let your mighty power flow in this altar right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let a great measure of your divine power flow at this altar. Let it fill. Let it heal. Let it comfort. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,